Good day, ladies, gentlemen, and children of all ages. Uh, this is Robert Itis. And I am here at Plants and Their Friends uh, to uh, give you another wonderful session with uh, a special guest. Uh, there, uh, Abby, uh, welcome here. Thank you, Robert. And um, for those that uh, uh, don't remember, uh, we have a podcast, and you can get there from uh, www.ncgoldenseal.com. And we are uh, taping number 41, wow. 41 shows. And um, this is going to be really special. Uh, this one's going to be on medicinal trees something that Abby has uh, been talking about because uh, I've seen a flyer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i going to uh, actually expand on the definition. Some people have, uh, have said that uh, all trees are just plants. <laughs> or is it the other way around? <laughs> but anyway, uh, plants and their friends will definitely take a look this hour at medicinal trees to help us in our health. Um, one thing that this uh, program is going to fortify is the... Uh, programs on a new diet where we're adding more nuts and berries into all of our meals besides eating something wild each day. Um, so, Abby, why don't you uh, mention, you know, how people can get in touch with you? We'll do it in the beginning and at the end. Sure. So for those of you who don't know me and those of you who do, I'm Abby Artemisia. I'm a botanist, herbalist, and forager and founder of The Wander School, which you can find at thewanderschool.com. That's wander with an A. And I have classes all over the country. So basically wherever I wander to on all kinds of things, including botany, 
and wild edible and wild herbal education, botanical property surveys, and DIY herbal medicine making. And then last year, I co-founded the Sassafras School, which is www.sassafras-school.com. And we still have a few spots left for this year, which is a one weekend a month program with myself and another local teacher, Becky Beyer, teaching Appalachian plant craft. So foraging, botany, some primitive skills, and herbal medicine making. I also have my own podcast called Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft that you can find on my website or any podcast platform. And then my book, which came out last year, is called The Herbal Handbook for Homesteaders, which is on my website. Please support local and small businesses. And I have a free book club once a month. So uh, the last Tuesday of every month, I have a free book club. And then a Patreon site where I do some crowdfunding, which is patreon.com slash School where I offer ongoing botanical education. And it makes this education accessible to people who might not be able to pay for it and might not be able to get it otherwise. Okay. That's great to know. And for those people who didn't catch all of that, get a paper and pencil and we'll (laughs) repeat it before the end of the show. Um. But now uh, we're going to touch base on uh, some, just some of the many medicinal trees that we have in our forest and uh, on the planet. And uh, most of the trees uh, you can find right here, except for the very first one. And I'm going to lead this off because... There's a lot of people out there that don't do not know about this or tree, um, and it's called Penogenol. It was recommended by Phyllis Light. Um, it is a natural plant product made from the bark of a European coastal pine tree, Pinus maritima, and Penogenol contains. Uh, Prysilidins, a special class of water-soluble antioxidant flavonoids, which are excellent free radical scavengers. But the reason it was recommended to me is something that um, I've uh, been discussing in male health uh, is uh, uh, controlling the bladder. Uh, for older men and um, uh, this uh, situation of uh, getting up every hour and a half to take a pee at night gets a little old and the biggest problem is you're not getting any quality sleep you're not getting the four or five hours you need to rejuvenate the body and so you're getting up each day kind of sluggish um Penogenol has been something I've been taking for a while, and it's not that there's no time that you uh, get up in the middle of the night. It's just that the frequency is less. 
Sometimes it's just once before you get up in the morning. Uh, but you're able to get three or four hours of sleep uh, in between urinations. That uh, is really important. Um, it, it's important to possibly figure out how to grow this thing here mm-hmm. and eliminate having to go over to Europe. Well, pycnogenol is also in grape seeds, so that might be something else to explore. I know uh, that Doug Elliott mentioned once on a plant walk that he was buying grape seed extract from the health store, health food store, and spitting out the seeds of his grapes when he foraged wild grapes. So, you know, we can just eat those seeds and get some pycnogenol yeah. as well. I'd imagine, though, that this tree that you're talking about, this pine tree, has more pycnogenol. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's the best on the planet. That's great. Yeah. And um, uh, as I say, it's, it's one of the few that we're going to talk about that's not specifically located in our area. Mm-hmm. But it's a problem that almost every guy has out there. <laughs> and that nobody talks about it. So uh, we just uh, wanted to start that one off uh, uh, big. And then the second area, very few people talk about Uh, We have two other trees, witch hazel, which is an astringent, uh, good for hemorrhoids. And right now, if you go out, um, uh, we're in February, middle of February, it's flowering. And I have some right near my house, it's flowering right now. Um, The the part about witch hazel that's important is we're using the leaves. Uh, So... It's kind of sustainable. (laughs) Uh, Right. Well, there are two different species that you might see. So Hamamelis vernalis and Hamamelis virginiana. And the vernalis is the one that would be flowering around now. So the spring, vernalis means spring. So you would see that flowering around now. A lot of times the one that's more commonly seen in our region is the Virginiana and flowers in the late fall. But you can plant either. Right. And right. they're medicinal. And, and, and uh, this is a, a, an important tree um, for uh, ginseng. Uh, it's one of the understory trees to create the uh, canopy. Uh, that's really important. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so um, I, uh, I've i been selling this tree for quite a while now. Uh, really big on it. Yeah, it's very medicinal. I make my own witch hazel. So like the witch hazel extract that you would buy in the store. But when you buy it in the store, it usually has very little actual plant in it. It's very dilute. So you can make your own super easily. I harvest the twigs and the leaves and then just cover them with alcohol. And it's actually in my book, the Herbal Handbook for Homesteaders, so you can find the specifics there. But you're basically making a tincture and then diluting it a little bit because you don't want to put full-strength alcohol on your skin. Or you could make it in apple cider vinegar and it wouldn't be as drying to the skin. Uh Uh-huh. That's interesting to know. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, one of the things that very few people talk about uh, is uh, hemorrhoids. Uh, and one of the biggest 
things that I found out, because I've had them, is that um, uh, your diet is directly related to your hemorrhoids. Besides stress, but diet is, is huge. Uh, this does help bring the inflammation down. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it's something that has to be used uh, after every bowel movement. So you need to uh, understand that if you want to get rid of your hemorrhoids, putting witch hazel on it isn't going to do it. Right. You really need to change your diet and get off the sugar mm-hmm. and get off the gluten. Get and off. less sitting and more exercising. Exactly. Exactly. Movement is key mm-hmm. uh, to keeping the body healthy. Uh, the second... Uh, uh, tree that um, I use uh, with hemorrhoids was horse chestnut, and that I learned from Corey Pine Shane, mm. and that it uh, it's also something good for varicose veins. Right, and so uh, it, it's kind of almost like a, a no brainer. I think the witch hazel and the the horse uh, horse chestnut together make a really good combination mm-hmm. for that symptom. Um, again, uh, these are not going to take away the ailment. This is only going to help the symptom. Right. Um, and we have lots of horse chestnut around that is not really being used correctly mm-hmm. uh, in many ways. Um, the next one that's interesting is black walnut and uh, again this is a topic a lot of doctors don't talk about is parasites right and um, uh, understanding how parasites get into our body and from where they come because they come from somewhere uh, is very very important in in combating them but once it takes over, uh, black walnut uh, in a bark. So that that uh, tree has a lot of functions. and It does. Nut, uh, yeah, I mostly harvest the hull of the nut. So preferably when it's still green, though when it's brown, you can still employ it. But, but the green is the most powerful part, the green husk. And then you can grate it with a grater, but actually the easiest way I've learned is to take the immature nuts when they fall in a windstorm and cut them in half. So they're still somewhat tender. They haven't gotten that hard nut in the middle. And then again, cover them with alcohol. So again, you're making a tincture of that hull or that husk. And it's great for parasites and worms. So the traditional blend would be with uh, the black walnut hull and wormwood. Wormwood, or around here, uh, we have lots of mugwort. So you could add that, and then cloves. So the combination of those for parasites or for worms. And I've gotten to try that with my daughter when she was little. And she was in Waldorf school and pinworms would go around and it worked really well. You have to be gentle, really careful, especially with kids, because it's very strong. Yes. 
Um, but also for dogs, for worms in dogs, again, being very careful. Right. And um, uh, some of those uh, uh, elements work on the babies, I was told, and some of them work on the adults. And the worms, just, not the children. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and the parasites. And so that um, uh, just taking like one of them doesn't necessarily get rid of them. Right. But you have, to, in this case, the combination is important. And one always, once we get into an area like this, I always ask myself, how did somebody figure that one out? <laughs> right. You know? Who up above told somebody yep. that mixing these guys together would do the trick? So, yep. uh, yeah. You know, a tree, a plant, and um, different aspects of it. It's really, really something that we, uh, we don't spend enough time uh, thinking about uh, how this knowledge got to us. That's uh, true. Yeah, uh, I think... I think that we can all communicate with the plants. I think we've just kind of lost that capability because we don't practice it. But I do believe that we have that capability still. We just have to use it. But again, you know, with the warning that like if a plant that is poisonous tells you, eat me, you know, use some caution and research and use other people's experience and skills. And let us point out that those are out there, but they're not very numerous. Mm -hmm. And they uh, tend to give you some kind of signal that they're not good um, in in numerous ways. So one has to be aware. Right. Well, I always say 100% positive identification. So... If you're not sure of what you are harvesting or you are not sure of its effect, make sure that you research it thoroughly. You talk to someone who knows that's really the best way. Yes, that's, I I think of black cohosh and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, the other ones that are a little bit more toxic that look like that. Right. I have to see this white plume coming up to... No, that's the patch. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. yeah, it's really spending time with the plants and getting to know them. Yeah. It's really important. Very much so. I, yeah. I couldn't uh, agree more. Yeah. Uh, and one other thing I wanted to point out about, about black walnut is that it's great. it's a great antifungal. So topically especially... For things like ringworm um, and other fungal issues we deal with on our skin, it, it can be highly effective. Yes. I, I normally jump to golden seal. Mm, of course. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, it, yes, there, there are numerous friends out there that do about the same thing. Yeah. Um, it's really uh, amazing to me. Uh, we um, have uh, been talking, Abby and I, about medicinal plants, if you just tuned in. This is uh, Plants and Their Friends, WART 95.5 on your FM dial. Uh, you can get us 
live uh, off of your computer anywhere in the world now. Uh, and we uh, appreciate uh, all the support that we get from the community and all our listeners. Uh, today we're talking about medicinal trees, most of which are in our area. We dealt with one, uh, a European uh, coastal pine tree, but all the other ones are local here uh, that we've gone through so far, uh, uh, witch hazel, horse chestnut, Black walnut uh, are the four that we've dealt with so far. And um, we, we are really fortunate in this area to have as much black walnut as we, we do. <laughs> so much black walnut. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and, and so this would be a great time to talk about the Nutty Buddies. Mm -hmm. uh, the Nutty Buddy Collective in Asheville uh, is encouraging people to uh, gather their uh, black walnuts as one species, uh, to bring it down, to get oil or flour uh, back. I think you can even get the nuts back uh, mm. and support this collective. They have great machines, and uh, they're really uh, founded by Bill Whipple, and uh, uh, it, it really is, again, taking... Uh, my new diet uh, to a place where we can bring back the uh, nut uh, populations for humans to consume like they used to. Uh, and uh, one we're going to get to soon is going to be uh, American chestnut, mm -hmm. which was everybody made bread out of that guy. Right. So uh, uh, these these are just starting to come back because the commercial food that we're eating is, uh, to say food is really stretching a point. <laughs> it may fill you up, but how much toxicity can your body take? And that's part of the problem right now. It's not that we can't produce bad food. We can right. produce bad, bad food. <laughs> what we can't produce is a enough good food at reasonable prices. Yeah, and it's interesting that you bring that up because my most recent podcast episode, which is out now, I interviewed Bill Whipple all about the Acornucopia Project and the Nutty Buddy Collective. So if you want to hear that interview, then check it out at thewanderschool.com under podcast. Yes, and we also have uh, Mr. Holt, uh, who's now running the collective, uh, come on, and I think it's number 22 or somewhere around there. We we have a whole hour on uh, just the Nutty Buddy Collective. Oh, that's great. How it got going and everything. So we're, we're hoping that these uh, uh, very creative uh, ways of sharing and being part of a community uh, is uh, expanded upon. This, mm -hmm. this should just be the beginning of it. Uh, there's uh, plenty of resources out there, uh, especially when you start to look at all of those lawns that need to be turned into orchards. Uh, and, uh, and then we would start to be understanding how much food we can really 
uh, support uh, on the lands that we have already exposed. And uh, I encourage you, uh, the new UN report out uh, is showing that trees are the most important thing to uh, combat climate change. And just as it so happens, Eagle Feather Organic Farm sells these medicinal trees and plants, uh, especially the berries, to uh, uh, get uh, the ground uh, being used productively. Uh, that's a, a small commercial that uh, you won't get too many of those. Uh, but uh, we got to get serious. We got to get on a rotation where we're planting a tree a month, say, uh, 12 trees a year. That's not a lot, but the difference that could make on the planet could be tremendous. And uh, it's, it's a way of, of, you know, taking charge of yourself instead of watching uh, some sports event go out and plant a tree uh, would make a lot more sense to me, of course. Uh, so just, just think about that a little bit and understand that uh, uh, the trees right now, I think, are so undervalued and the, the prices of trees are just very, very reasonable, if not downright cheap. So I would uh, uh, go out, and those people who have children, especially young ones, it's a great way to start off, say, with an apple tree or a pear tree mm -hmm. and get it just so as high as the kid and then watch the kid and the tree grow, uh, the child and the tree uh, uh, blossom into uh, something that uh, is very miraculous. Uh, that's... Uh, I think where we should be going and uh, really think uh, seriously of what you're planting. And uh, uh, if it isn't medicinal and if it isn't edible and it doesn't have nutritional value and medicinal value, maybe that's not the right tree to plant. Okay, so... We're going to move into an area I know that you're heavy in, and that's pines. Mm -hmm. Pines used to be, in, um, in the pioneer days, a really, really important tree. Yes. Yeah, there's so much medicine in pines and food, too. Uh, Becky Byer and I have taught a class called Bark Eaters, actually. <laughs> And talking about making pine bark into flour, which is very labor intensive. <laughs> but there's a lot of medicine that comes from pine trees. And every pine tree here, from what I know and have heard in our region in the eastern United States, is safe to consume. And we here, as you were talking about in Western North Carolina, it is just a hotbed of biodiversity. So we have quite a few pines here and even more species as you go further south. So 
we usually wouldn't be eating those necessarily, but we could extract them. So you can make a tea out of the needles. And this also goes for the related species. So spruce and fir and hemlock, although the hemlocks are a little threatened. And of course, we're not talking about poison hemlock, uh, just the evergreen hemlock. But Uh, Taking those needles, making a tea from them, preferably in cold or warm to hot water, but not boiling them because that vitamin C could get destroyed at higher temperatures. And then drinking that tea. It's great anti-inflammatory action and immune system boosting. So... It's, it's really great this time of year because it's one of the few wild edibles and wild medicinals that is actually still growing. Yes, and uh, this uh, last Appalachian tea ceremony that Mary Morgane uh, uh, did at, uh, with, at, at um, the farm uh, had uh, uh, pine needles uh, which they made into tea. And so this is the time of the year to uh, try this experiment out, Mm -hmm. for sure. It definitely is. Yeah. And I know that the uh, sap is also used um, uh, for healing uh, Mm -hmm. skin. Yeah, it's very drawing. So for drawing out bacteria and infection... And you can add it to salves. It's also antimicrobial. So it's a great makeshift Band-Aid. If you're out in the woods and you get a cut or a scrape, you could find some sap. Usually the best time for this is going to be in the spring when it's flowing. Um, But we want to be careful not harvest too much because it's actually protecting, just like it's going to protect us and heal us, it's healing and protecting that tree. So try not to harvest it right from a wound, but down below that wound where it may have dripped. And you can harvest it. You can chew up a little bit, though. Be careful if you have fillings because <laughs> it could stick to those or crowns. Um, and then you just stick it on that cut and it will protect it until you get to wherever you're going. Yes. Um, one of the... Uh uh, as I said, uh, major uh, elements in the pioneering uh, life uh, where uh, the knowledge was passed down uh, not only from Europe but from the Native Americans because uh, there's just uh, not enough there. It's so labor-intensive, as you say, mm-hmm. that you're not going to take too much right. of this one. Uh, but it's a good one. It's all around us. And uh, you should know where your uh, pine uh, forest uh, mm-hmm. stand is close to your house uh, in case uh, you need this. And if you uh, do collect the needles, make sure that you rotate them, that you don't just keep them in the jar for four or five years and then try <laughs> right. and use them. Yeah, I mean, the great thing is they're available year-round, so we can usually find a spot close by to harvest some fresh ones. Okay, so that is 
about a third of the trees than we used about half the time. So we're going to have to move along here. Yeah. Let me say this is Robert Itis and Abby from talking about medicinal plants and trees on uh, plants and their friends. Okay, so the next one is um, a small tree, another small tree, service berry. And I want to talk about service berry because it has purple berries. And all of the, uh, the other one that I wanted to talk about was um, uh, mulberry. So mulberry, service berries, those kind of trees uh, are not only important for us, but also for wildlife, mm -hmm. for birds, um, and um, to have places to go where you can wildcraft that is, uh, is important because you're never going to take enough so that there's nothing for the wildcraft, to, uh, for the wildlife to consume. Right. Um, and so uh, there are some favorite haunts of people for service berries that are on <laughs> public lands. Um, they're used as a small tree around uh, a lot of projects. Uh, and um, the uh, uh, the mulberry, I know uh, we have some down here on the island uh, that if you come at the right time, you could get a, a nice bunch of mulberries. They're pretty big trees. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm glad that you brought up mulberry too because that's one I wanted to talk about because the leaves of mulberry are medicinal. Great to know. Yeah, and they have a moistening aspect to them, especially for the respiratory system, the lungs in particular. So it would be great if we had saved some earlier in the year for this time of the year, um, because a lot of folks in our region have wood stoves, and that can be hard on our lungs. So if they're not sealed well, um, we might inhale some of that smoke and it's hard on our lungs or if we're around other air pollutants, which pretty much all of us are, unfortunately. Um, mulberry leaves can be great as a tea or a tincture to get that moistening and health-giving properties for our lungs. Great. Mm -hmm. Great, yeah. that It's um, another tree that... Um, very often overlooked, very rarely planted, very mm -hmm. rarely uh, available uh, in a pot. Uh, so here's uh, an opportunity for some young landscaper to fill the, uh, the void there. Yeah. yeah, those are definitely two of my favorite fruit trees as far as deliciousness goes. Yeah, and, and the fact that they're purple and have antioxidants mm -hmm. is just an extra little boost. It is. Um, okay, so now we're going to come to the big guys, <laughs> to the oaks. Uh, around here, red, white, and pin oaks. Um, now, one of the things that I have, am learning, because I grow shiitakes, is that... Um, the oaks are also good for oyster mushrooms. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, some of the people I've been listening to are saying that if a mushroom comes from a tree, there's some aspect of it that's medicinal. 
Well, Have you heard that? I mean, I was actually talking the other day to an employee, an educator for Paul Stamets, and she was saying that pretty much every wild mushroom is medicinal. Some of them might be poisonous, so I don't want to consume those, but pretty much every wild mushroom. So, really, and, and I mean, oaks in particular can grow so many species of edible and medicinal mushrooms. Lion's mane, for right. sure, right. and hen of the woods, chicken of the woods. Right. So, so many species can yeah. grow on oaks. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's... Um Another area that we've just touched the top of, Mm -hmm. that there's plenty of room for people to come in here and uh, start supplying. Uh, I know that of only one person who's at a farmer's market who has lion's mane. Wow. One in the whole area. That's amazing. So there's a, a wonderful opportunity. It does take a little longer for the lion's mane to come up than... Uh, it, uh, the shiitakes, uh, but uh, we we have uh, a uh, a program on shiitake mushrooms, and one of the uh, aspects that Robert Morningstar mentioned is that the weight of the log when you cut it is going to equal that in pounds of mushroom. Wow, that's amazing. So uh, these are uh, uh, areas right now I have maybe 40 or 50 mushrooms flushing out uh, from uh, a plugging that we did last time. Uh, It's um, wonderful to be able to uh, have this uh, at almost every meal for me. Wow, that's, yeah, yeah, incredible. And again, that's a, a, a new part of the diet. Uh, that uh, our meals should have some kind of medicinal mushrooms in them as a rotation. Uh, And uh, I think we'll all be a lot healthier. So uh, the oaks, we didn't really talk about um, the nuts Mm -hmm. that are coming from the oaks, which uh, usually feeds a lot of our deer population, the acorns. and, and we know that acorn flower was, uh, again, again another part of the pioneering uh, bag of tools of eating or for, right. or for the forest. Uh, and uh, I would think that um, uh, some people who might find some old oak trees that could net them on the bottom to catch the... The big supply could, could, again, go to the Nutty Buddy Collective yep. <laughs> and have them help you uh, turn that into flour or oil. Right. Yeah, and I mean, you can also, after you process them, of course, eat them. Just throw some chunks into your oatmeal. And as Bill Whipple and I were talking about, I mean, it's really amazing what the Nutty Buddy Collective and Acornucopia are doing with all these nuts you know, flour and oil, and then making things like lip balms and salves from that oil. And you have a super fresh oil that's local. Yes. Which is kind of unheard of. Yes. Uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be. Yeah. It used to be. Um, 
So th- that is, um, you know, uh, one of, um, especially the red oaks is the majority of the trees that are in this area. Uh, when the chestnut went down, the oaks popped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I personally believe there should be a, uh, a mandatory law that if you cut down an oak tree, you plug it, some part of it. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. Or give it to somebody else who will plug it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's one of my recommendations when you're clearing around the house and you have some oak trees. Uh, so the oaks, major part of our forest now. Uh, and... Um, I added another one, uh, tulip poplar, besides the oyster mushrooms that grow naturally on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug Elliott uh, to- showed me something about um, drinking. Uh, a lot of people will say, uh, uh, you know, that they drink soda, you know, that they, the water's no good or whatever it is. Uh, uh, however, a good spring water with... Uh, uh, tulip poplar flowers in it with have the nectar from the the flowers uh, makes the water really really sweet mm. and that is a great way to get your liquid instead of uh, uh, some kind of carbonated drink that uh, has huge as amounts of sugar right. uh, this uh, is natural it's the uh, uh, pollen that the bees would be uh, making into honey, and uh, it's a great way to uh, once a year take uh, a flowering tree and uh, use it in our water mm-hmm. for drinking. And there are some medicinal benefits to the tree as well, which I learned a few years ago from my teacher, Leslie Williams. And some of these are uh, come from Native American history. But the, you can harvest the twigs, which I always prefer to harvesting the bark if possible, because it's more sustainable. And then make a tea or a tincture out of the twigs. And it's really helpful for anxiety, especially the anxiety that comes along with insomnia and quitting smoking. <sighs> So with the way that our culture is now and how quickly it's moving and unfortunately people's disconnection from nature, I feel like that is a huge cause of anxiety. And so, of course, go outside, but also you can make some medicine from the tulip poplar twigs and keep that next to your bed when you have insomnia or if you're quitting smoking. Yeah, that's great. Mm hmm. Okay, the next two we're going to go through fairly rapidly. We could talk for uh, hours about them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fruit trees, uh, apples and pears are the basics, and you can't go wrong with planting an apple or a pear tree. Um, You know, they did say apple a day keeps the doctor away. (laughs) Um, And then the nut trees, um, these are... We, we've spoken a little about one of the things about um, uh, English walnuts, almonds, uh, they need to soak so the tannins get out. 
mm-hmm. uh, and you don't want uh, that to happen. But there are other trees, hazelnut trees, beechnut trees, black walnut trees, and of course the American chestnut that are coming back. Uh, you uh, have lots of different uh, aspects of all of this that uh, you could go real deep into the tree world and into the medicine world to learn uh, about what each one may have to offer us as human beings. Yeah, definitely. And don't forget the hickory nuts as well. And Right. Uh, they all have high amounts of proteins and omegas, good oils for our bodies. Yes. Uh, again, they're out there uh, planting more of them around uh, your, your place and keeping an eye on them when they're ready is uh, the best way that we can deal with that. Um, now we're going to move on to a tree that is, um, I'm sure, more medicinal than I know, the basswood tree, yeah. uh, linden. Right. Yes. Tell yeah. us. So it can be a little bit confusing sometimes because I would call basswood and linden two different species. Um, so Tilia americana is basswood and Tilia europea is the European linden. And so the linden is more commonly planted as a street tree. I don't see it a whole lot around here. And the basswood is a very tall forest tree. It's sometimes called a bee tree because its pollen and nectar is very attractive to the bees. So you'll see basswood honey sometimes. And uh, it is medicinal too, though. So the flowers of the tree especially... And when I see them, it's usually the linden flowers, and they're usually from another country. So if you want a money-making enterprise, plant some linden trees so that they'll stay short, and then harvest the flowers and send them to your local herbalist, and they'll probably pay you a lot of money for them. (laughs) But they're really great for nervousness, anxiety, depression. I've had really good luck with them for that. And they just have such an amazing taste to them. I feel like anytime you have a flower with tea, or sorry, a tea with flowers, it's very nurturing and heart lifting. So I really love the flowers for that. But I have harvested the flowers of basswood too, when it was smaller and the branches were lower. And the taste is the same. And I felt like the action, the herbal action as well. So it's really wonderful. And then uh, also the leaves of the basswood and the linden are edible. And I've seen people make wraps out of them before. So kind of like a burrito or a dolma, something like that. And so just wrap up whatever you want to wrap, some rice and herbs beans yeah i mean right outside big huge leaves Mm -hmm. really big yeah and uh uh i have one right in front of my 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 house um i'm so lucky okay so we're moving along here you didn't think we could do an hour (laughs) did you uh 
we're on now maple trees. Now, the reason I put the maple trees in there is, number one, they're having a problem mm-hmm. with them up in the Northeast. And number two, people are starting to produce uh, the syrup down here. Mm-hmm. In Tennessee, there's a big production right now of maple syrup. Now, what's so great about maple syrup? It's so much better for you than sugar. Uh, refined mm-hmm. sugar is like poison to our body, whereas the right grade of maple syrup will uh, be able to uh, be broken down and also uh, pass on the nutrients and, and vitamins, minerals that they have. So don't think that there is no sweetness in your life when you give up sugar. Right. Uh, and we're going to talk about another one. Uh, pretty soon, um, besides the maple syrup uh, that I use uh, probably in large quantities in my life. (laughs) Okay, now I'm going to give you something to take to a potluck. This is a hit. Uh, It's a deal maker if if you're out with uh, some lovely... uh, a person to uh, share meals with. And if you take some um, really green lettuce and you put the flowers of the red bud on top of it, it starts to vibrate. Then if you take the little uh, purple violets Mm -hmm. that come up the same time Mm -hmm. and put that on it, that whole salad just starts vibrating with color. And uh, uh, believe it or not, it's good for you. <laughs> it's so good for you. And it's not just going to vibrate with color. It's going to vibrate with good energy, vitality, and health. Because what we want to remember is that these wild foods are so nutrient-dense. And they're going to have so many more nutrients than anything we can even grow organically. Um, because the soil hasn't been messed with. So all of that good terroir, as we would say, or terroir, uh, when we're talking about wine, is true of these wild edibles as well. And those flowers, besides just being beautiful, have a lot of vitamin C in them. You have to really catch them at the right time, right when those petals are starting to open up. Um, They're one of the first flowers that come out in the spring, and they're also delicious. They're in the pea family, so Fabaceae, for those of you who speak Latin. And so they taste to me like a sweet pea. So a little bit of sweetness in there and just so delicious. Yes. Yes. And the colors are just outrageous. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, n- normally, to me, uh, red is a, a, a signal of watch out. Uh, but here it's a purple red. Mm-hmm. So the purple is more of a antioxidant signal to eat. Um, and uh, they're, they're a wonderful uh, lower story tree. Another one mm-hmm. uh, to go along with uh, the ginseng. Okay, we're coming close. Number 14 is sourwood trees. Now this, along with the maple syrup, uh, the, the sour trees are the honey, uh, the local honey that has immune system builders 
And um, again, another substitute for refined sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love sourwood honey. I know that it's won national honey contest for taste. It's it's such a local delicacy for sure. And then, of course, we're coming up to the time where spring allergies are going to be setting in. So having local honey is really important to tonify our system and protect against those allergies. Uh, the sourwood leaves are also edible and can lend a sour taste to anything you're making. So you could add a few into a salad or put them in the blender with a little bit of water and make like a faux vinegar. And that would be tasty. I learned from our mutual friend, Mark Williams, who's been on the show that uh, can help kind of quench thirst. So it won't actually hydrate you, but that sour taste can quench our thirst when we're out hiking. If you find some leaves and you of course want to make sure hundred percent positive identification that that's what they are, but they should have a sour taste to them. And they have some little hairs along that mid vein of the leaf on the back. Um, then they can help if you're thirsty in a pinch. Great, 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 great. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. So now we're up to um, one that was uh, suggested uh, is uh, river birch, white birch, uh, for tea mm-hmm. um, uh, along our streams right. to be planted uh, and really help us, uh, again, get away from the sodas, the beers, right. to drink herbal teas uh, all day long. Uh, is really the uh, uh, the goal that we're trying to get to. Yeah, so the black birch or sweet birch, Betula lenta, is the one that tastes kind of like root beer, and it's delicious. Um, but all of the birches, we also have the river birch and the yellow birch here in our region, have salicylates in them. The black birch has methyl salicylates, which makes it also taste kind of like wintergreen. But they can provide a lot of natural pain relief. So very similar to the willow, which aspirin was synthesized from. Um, And they don't have the same side effects as aspirin. So it's a lot safer, although you'd still want to avoid it if you have an allergy to aspirin just to be safe. Um, But you can make it into a tea or root beer, anything like that, and it will help with acute pain relief. That's great. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, we're coming near the end. Um, for those people who have uh, uh, stayed with us so far, we have a uh, uh, a little uh, alert. Uh, it's not really a spoiler alert, but it's an alert that there's a new book uh, on the uh, New York Times bestseller uh, list called Understory, A Life with Trees. Inga Simpson is the author, and uh, I've been hearing a lot of uh, great reviews on it, and I uh, would recommend it, uh, even without reading it, because of the people who are recommending it, and also because, uh, uh, obviously, the New York Times thinks that it's a pretty good book also. Okay. So this is Robert Itis. I'm with 
uh, Abby uh, today talking about medicinal trees. Abby, why don't you uh, uh, give uh, another sign off on how people can get in touch with you? Uh, sure. Yeah. So again, this is Abby Artemisia. You can find me at my website, thewanderschool.com, or find me on Instagram or Facebook as The Wander School. And you can find my podcast, Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft. With my blog, I put up blog entries for every podcast with the forager or wildcrafter that I interview, giving a recipe that they created. And that is also on the wanderschool.com, or you can listen to Wander, Forage, and Wildcraft on any podcast platform. You can check out my classes. You can register for the Sassafras School at sassafras-school.com. You can get a spring botanical property survey, or you can go to patreon.com slash thewanderschool to get continuing botanical education and free foraged cooking classes and all kinds of extras from the podcast. And you're making that education available to folks who can't afford it. Great. Well, thank you all for listening. This is Robert Itis with Plants in Their Herbs uh, talking today about medicinal trees And um, if you want to uh, catch up on some of the other podcasts that have been shown, go to www.ncgoldenseal.com. And we wish you a great day and a good week. And we'll see you next week. Bahujo ne 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 